Tandem Nomads, episode 170. So 15 years ago, I didn't have any plan of doing what I'm doing now. It was necessarily, not necessarily what I dreamed of when I was uh, younger or anything like that. So it was really uh, the fact that we moved, the fact that uh, you know, I had different opportunities and I, I tried to see these opportunities. So it's always a mix, I think, of you know, having a plan, having objectives, goals, but still be open to, uh, you know, moving uh, those uh, uh, and, and be open to opportunities in a way. Hello, Nomad Nation. Welcome to Tandem Nomads, the podcast show and entrepreneurship platform where you can find great inspiration and tips to grow a successful portable business and thrive in your global nomadic life. This is your host, Emel Deregi. I'm a business and marketing coach and the founder of Tandem nomads. In this episode, I want to bring you an inspiring story that has been inspiring to me, and I always wanted to have this guest on the show to share his journey. So just a little bit to back up some of the reasons that I found this story really interesting before I introduce you to our guest today. I love having male expert partners because I do think that their perspective is wonderful. And I tend also to have a great guest here who have thought of building a portable business that is quite unique and having different ideas can maybe as well inspire you. But on top of that, our guests today have managed to create an, a very successful media in a very specific niche and attract an amazing audience. And I will be looking forward to his tips on how he did that. So Emmanuel, are you ready for this ride? I am ready. Fabulous. Nomad Nation, let me tell you some a few information about Emmanuel. So Emmanuel Saint-Martin is an author, French journalist, New York correspondent for the news channel France 24, and founder of the first medium for French expats in the U.S. In 2007, shortly after he moved to New York for his wise career opportunity at the United Nations headquarters, Emmanuel founded French Morning, a web magazine for the French-American community. Since then, French Morning Magazine has become French Morning Media Group with several brands under its belt and six magazine editions in the United States, New York, Washington, D.C., Miami, Texas, Los Angeles. And on top of that, he also developed the London edition, the Montreal edition in Canada, and there is more to come in the near future. What a journey, Emmanuel. (laughs) (laughs) How does it feel when you hear that? Uh, you know, it's it's interesting. It makes me feel old. I say, <laughs> <laughs> you you've got such an amazing journey, and I wanted to know before we start digging into how you've built this amazing platform, French Morning Media Group. What actually made you decide that? Okay, you were ready to give up your journalistic career in France to be able to move to to New York for your wife's career. How easy or difficult was that decision? What was the process and the discussions you had in your family to make this move? I think the main thing is that I never thought I was giving up anything. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I've always been, uh, as part of our marriage, I guess, it's just we have always been interested in uh, um, discovering the world. 
she works, of course, my wife in a very international environment. She was a diplomat and, and, and uh, she works at the UN. And I've always been very interested in the world and I cover the world for the, for the French magazine I was writing for before a long time ago now, before we came to the US. And, uh, and the plan, even it was not really, I don't think it was really, you know, um, uh, uh, said that way, but, but I think the plan for both of us was that if we could live abroad, we would seize that opportunity and the first one who could do it would then lead the way for the other one. And uh, we, we almost did it for, for my job, uh, but then it didn't happen. And, and, uh, uh, and then it happened with uh, France who got a, an opportunity with the French foreign ministry at the, at the time and uh, as a French diplomat to, uh, in New York to the French mission to the UN. And, uh, and that was that was it, you know, it was a great opportunity for us to come live in New York. And when, when you are a journalist, even if you're not, you know, an entrepreneur, which I became later, but just as a journalist, it's pretty, it's one of those jobs where you can, you know, that you can really do anywhere in the world. And especially, I mean, not anywhere, but especially in a city like New York, where there is a lot of interest, there is always something to cover. So I'm not saying it's it's necessarily easy because I had a great job in Paris, one of the best. Uh, you know, when you want to cover foreign news, I was one of the best uh, magazine at the time for that. Uh, so I did quit that for sure, uh, but I didn't quit my career. I didn't quit my job, uh, and and I, I knew I could I would be able to do something else, and it was also great you know I was uh, I was much younger then obviously mm -hmm. and I was uh, at an age where you know mid-30s beginning of 30s where you start to see that you know you need to move and, and not, not get uh, <laughs> complacent mm -hmm. in a way so that was also a great opportunity at that time I love that you were in the mindset of growth basically mm -hmm. when you made this decision with your yeah. with your spouse What's interesting is that just before this episode, we have an episode with, a, with an author of a book called Couples That Work. And one of the things that she said after studying over 100 couples that, uh, that have dual careers, that most of the time when it's the partner who decides to give precedent, precedent to, the, to the spouse, um, to the, when it's a heterosexual couple, and it's a man who gives up the job for the woman, one of the first things is not necessarily their barriers, but the society's barrier. Like you mentioned the colleagues and everything. I was wondering if you being a man following your spouse, a woman, has in a way been a, a, a criteria for you of people around you. Did you feel any societal pressure or anything like that? I would lie if it say no yeah there was and i remember at the beginning it was you know but it was always funny to be the man who followed his wife you know and these kind of things in dinner parties and and especially in a milieu of expats where it's still usually the other way around not as much now and even then it was you know starting to be a little bit different but uh but it was not a traditional way of doing things let's say that let's say that so um so yes it was but but I I, uh, I didn't you know it was not an obstacle in any way or like something that was really difficult to uh, to live with. Uh, it's just like uh, uh, it's that's for sure. That's people were you know talking about it and looking at it in in a particular way. But at the same time, I had a lot of friends who were uh, uh, you know women who followed their 
their husbands and they were always telling me oh when you yeah, when you say you follow your wife your wife everybody's like wow that's fantastic it's great and i followed my husband and nobody's saying anything <laughs> so <laughs> so so you know even even in that regard it's just, it's just like it's not really uh, it's not a big deal and uh, um i never again i don't think i looked at it that way it was just like uh, the what was more difficult was like you know you have to reinvent yourself mm. and uh, uh, obviously because you know and and new york for that is great but it's also a challenge in some way because uh, the, the, the the so many opportunities that you can get lost in it in a way yeah. so that was more my challenge at the time rather than uh, you know being a man or anything like that Oh, that's a perfect segue, because that's exactly what I wanted to ask you. So once you came here, what has happened for you? How, how was it like? Um, it was great. You know, we had, a, we, we had a life of expats. So basically, you know, uh, okay, financially and these kind of things. And we had two, two young kids. Uh, I had more time than I used to, to spend time with them because I was traveling a lot before. We were both traveling a lot before. So we always were like, juggling with, uh, you know, schedules and everything. So it was a little bit easier that way. Um, but uh, I had, had to adjust to the idea of being home, working from home. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, being the guy who is home, and and that was not something I was very comfortable with. But at the same time, I had a um, uh, my my job was, uh, you know, it's pretty easy to be a freelance journalist because unfortunately, it's more and more the way it's done. Yeah. So uh, you know, I was able to write books, I was able to to write for for magazines and other papers, and then I started. Uh, after almost two years, I started TV, which I had never done before. So, so yeah, there is an, um, a period at the beginning. Where, you know, it takes time, and uh, and and what I, what I was saying about the risk of getting lost, uh, in a way, is that there's, there's so many opportunities, so many things you can do in New York City, and everybody, you know, when you come from from France, where the point of view is sometimes a little bit different people are kind of afraid of change and, and, and you know uh, here it's different it's everything you do is amazing people are always uh, you know uh, very supporting of whatever venture you want to take on uh, these kind of things so so that gives you the illusion that you can do anything wow and, so and the risk for me was that and i did that at one point i was like okay i did journalism i'm going to do something else and i, I started to look into uh, and and you know and freelancing uh, maybe i made it sound simple but it's not that simple freelancing you have to deal with your bosses in paris nobody cares about you so there's all that stuff also that you know it's not it's not easy <laughs> it's something that you you do but it's, it's just it's not easy to make a living out of it etc so so there were there were moments uh, where I really wanted to do something else, and I, I started to I started to do stuff when I realized that you it's great, but you still have to know yourself and know you know use what you've done before maybe to do something else, but not ignore what you've done what you've done before when you're 30, 35 because it doesn't make much sense. Yeah, uh, I mean for me it didn't make sense. So so it was more about you know how can I use that asset that I have, the, the job that I, uh, I, um, I learned to do, to do something else. So uh, that's how I went to TV, which was the same job, but I've never done TV before. So I became a TV reporter. At the same time, I started to develop the idea of, of French morning and being also an entrepreneur, but really on the side at the beginning. Uh, but that was, uh, that was a little bit that idea. So how can I use my journalism, what I know about journalism, and especially about community journalism, 
to uh, to a kind of an entrepreneurial venture. Yeah. So, you know, what's interesting about what you just shared is a lot of the, my clients who come early in their journey, I always say, you know, there's a phase for exploration of all the opportunities like you did, like you, you ask yourself, what are the skills I have that I can use here? And where are the new opportunities that New York can bring me? And you have explored that with TV, with other opportunities and started slowly narrowing down, which uh, goes back to what I was saying. There's phase for exploration and then there's a phase where you need to focus and pick a direction and go. Yeah, because so, in my case, what I was saying is just at one point, I even started to try and, you know, import handbags, French <laughs> handbags. That I didn't know. <laughs> yeah, it was just, I never did it, but it's the kind of things I looked at. And at one point, it's just like, it didn't make sense, obviously. But, you know, I was desperate at that time to try new things. And uh, that can lead you a bit too far in a way because I, I you know that's not something I'm interested in really I don't have any it's just like I wanted to do I knew I wanted to do business because that I had an entrepreneur side of me an entrepreneurial side of me that I knew um, but uh, but that led me to a kind of a wrong path it was no big deal I mean I could do I, I did that on the side anyway but just just to give you an idea it's just like that there is a balance to find between the new and and and, and the use of what you you know yeah. such such so interesting i did not that know that about you <laughs> behind that <laughs> so emmanuel so okay i love that you explain the journey of exploration and finding your identity finding you know finding that thing that you want to do so what has helped you then focus and say okay i'm going to i'm going to give it a full try and build this thing that is French Morning. Can you tell us a little bit of how the idea started and how did you know this was it, you wanted to focus on this? So it was really, it, it took time. When I say time, it took years. And because uh, I knew from scratch what I wanted to do, which was with, with French Morning, which was at the beginning of a website in New York for French people living in New York, uh, who uh, you know didn't have really a community-based uh, magazine news, ma web magazine it was always online but um uh, and i i felt that there was a need for local community news uh that uh, was not really met at the time by anything that was on the market there was some magazine some stuff existing but um it was either very old-fashioned or uh or not news at all and mm -hmm. i thought that you know when i started my career when i was a, i was a student uh, very early, uh, 18 or 19, I was working for a local uh, news newspaper in France, where I'm from in Normandy, and uh, and that I learned that you know the the the, the, the what what local journalism can bring to a community, and uh, and you know why it's very important. To, and my idea was that you could reproduce this idea of local journalism, so the local the the news you use, you know, the, the, the phrase and then and the news you really need um, and, you, and, and import that in a, another kind of community, which was a community of expats or, or immigrants, um, which was, you know, it has been existing in here in New York forever with, you know, Chinese community, they have huge newspapers, Russian, Asians, they have radios, all of that. But there was nothing really for French people. It was a, a small community. But my sense was that it's a small community, but it's usually pretty, uh, you know, uh, uh, comfortable uh, people, expats, etc. So there was a, uh, there was a, 
uh, on the business side, there was I, I thought there was a way to support the business. So, so that was the idea at the beginning. But from that, it took me a long time because it was a side project for mm -hmm. a very, very long time. So I always, my philosophy was always, I want to do it seriously, professionally. Um, even if I don't make any money, but uh, all the people who are going to work with me on that are going to be paid. Freelancers, which make, made a big difference because they have been with me. Some of them have been me, with me since then. And, and uh, you know, in crisis that we had recently, uh, all of us, uh, that's where you really see the difference because people are, um, you know, they, stay with, they, they stick with you because, you yeah. know, you, you treated them decently at the beginning. And, and also more than that, it's just like, if you want something professional, you have to pay people. So uh, I always wanted to do it professionally, even though it was not a business per se at the beginning, but it was built and thought about, thought of as a business. Oh, wow. I have to unpack a lot of uh, jams <laughs> in what you said. So the first thing that I want to say here in what you said, and I want to digest it for the listeners in case nomination, you want to find out, okay, how does this replicate for me? The first thing that I see in your journey, Emmanuel, that you found a problem to solve, that there was no news platform for the expats, the French expats in New York. You also found a very small but specific and powerful niche to serve. And on top of it, what you told me was like, bing, bing, when you talked about the crisis, we'll talk about the crisis later. We're recording this episode in the middle of the pandemic of COVID-19. But the thing that you thought about early on was what what differentiation value am I going to have to be relevant? And for you, it was making sure to make, to do this professionally, even if it's a side gig and then paying the people who would be working with you. I think, and you're saying it's paying off because these people during the crisis now are willing to take a pay cut while you're having to, you know, reduce your activities right now. So this is huge. And it reminds me of my own journey of having a sidekick. And that's also for all of you listeners is that you can start a business without taking too many risks by having your job or whatever activity that you want to focus on. Or even if you're a mom, for example, or a stay at home dad, and you don't have the full time to be able to develop a full fledged business, thinking of developing something on the side and building up over the years so that you can be where you are now, Emmanuel, with this big platform and this huge media. You build it slowly by slowly, step by step, which is something really remarkable in times where people are becoming so impatient about getting results. And everybody, a lot of my clients who come to me and say, hey, it's, it's not picking up. And they had just started like a month ago. So, <laughs> so tell me But about the, the patience you had to build. How did you... But to. actually, in my case, it was not really, it was not a choice. It was just like, I had this full-time job with the TV. Mm -hmm. I was at the beginning, it was kind of the beginning. So I was really involved in that. It was a freelance thing, but actually I was doing it full-time and it was, you know, very long hours because of the time difference with France and everything. So I don't have that much time left for, for French morning, but I still, I started it. So I wanted to do it. And I had, you know, my, my psychology and mentality is that, you know, when I start something, I want to see it through <laughs> and even if it takes a long time and uh so um but that's i think my only quality is that it's it's commitment and, <laughs> and commitment. perseverance and 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 um uh, really the the idea i think was that um uh, it was 
he was going to be slow, but it was also a blessing in my case because when you try to install a media, even a niche media, you need time and you need a long time you need, because people don't change their habits of uh, news consumption that easily. Uh, you don't necessarily have something to sell them or give them that they knew they wanted. You have to convince them they want it, so it takes a long time. On the business side, you have to find the advertisers. We are advertising-based and also event-based but uh, in terms of revenues, but it's mainly advertising. And, and the same thing, there was, we were building a niche that was not really existing. There was something, and, but since then, uh, much, more, uh, much more people appeared on that niche. Uh, but a lot of the advertisers we were uh, talking to 15 years ago uh, were not 15, but 12 years ago. We actually have to had to convince them that it was great to be online rather than mm. on print because they were all on print. It was only 12 years ago. I mean, we we were already talking about the print dying then, but in that specific niche, people were not there yet. So 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 all of that takes a long time. If I had started it. And if I had, you know, I, I did it without any money, which you can do online. Uh, but if instead of, of taking like five, six years to really start it, I had, uh, you know, raised a million dollar, I'm not sure I would have been, uh, I would have been able to do it because there is a time, I mean, that's specific to my business and my industry, but there is something that you cannot compress. You know, I could have been, instead of five years, maybe I could have done it in two years but you have to be ready either to spend a lot of time without being paid or to or to lose a lot of money for many years because of just that it takes time to uh, to, to build a brand yeah. in uh, in this uh, in this area and in this industry so that was in that in that way the fact that just it was not a choice again it was just i had something I had other things to do and it was something i was doing on the side on the side but it was a, it was a blessing in many ways, uh, up to the point where it became uh, the opposite, and I had to make a choice. But but for the first few years or five years, maybe uh, it was actually great. Yeah. So real quick about two things that you said, like it's I really believe that growth is about resources. You either have time or you have money. If you have money to invest in going crazy in advertising, reaching out, then you can do it faster. But if you don't have the money, then you have the time. And I think that's what the choice you made as well. So when is the moment where you said, okay, now I'm ready to, to quit the slow path and focus and make this my real main business? It was, main, it, was, it was not really a business. I mean, because the business was not huge anyways, but it was more personal. And the fact that I had spent a lot of time on that mm -hmm. and it was not really paying off because, you know, I was still doing it on the side and you cannot, if you do it on the side, it's going to be, it's going to stay a side thing. So, mm -hmm. so there are, there are, you know, positive and, and good aspects that, that I mentioned about that, but, but the mainly it's going to stay something very small that you're not going to be able to make a, a living off Maybe some people would be very, very lucky, but in, in our case, it was not. So, so we really had, I really had to make a decision at one point where I wanted to focus much more. So, so I did it gradually. I, I did less and less TV and more, I spent more and more time. And then I started to hire people to really invest. I raised a little bit of money, not too much. And then I, I, I hired 
you know more and more people and then it grew it, it, you know, it's still not huge and <laughs> it's still a very small venture but uh, uh but we uh um we've grown uh once we decided that which was like maybe five six years ago the first four years we did times five i think in terms of the revenue and, and right. the size of the company and everything and, and then until the point where we reached a plateau because we we the niche was is what it is and mm -hmm. it's going to be more difficult uh to stay just for the us which we were at the time um but yeah it, it was really uh, it was really gradually that we we did that that that's fascinating so I love that you talked about this gradual thing and that at some point your niche has ex like you, you have exhausted your possibility of that niche and that's when you expanded. So talking about that, I just want to give some numbers so that our listeners have a little bit of an idea of what that expansion looks like today. So French morning today has passed over 6 million unique visitors and attracts on a regular basis, 500,000 readers per month. And one element for me that means even more than these great figures is that 65% are return visitors. So what was the secret to get there? Um, <laughs> it's, it's, I think it's, uh, I hope it's the contents we do because I'm a journalist, so I believe in that. <laughs> and uh, it's just having, you know, it's nothing fancy or anything like, but it's just content people need and uh, community content, which is a mix. It's really a mix of things. It's, it's really practical content, you know, how you do to get your green card or your visa or these kind of things. It's, uh, it's um, kind of city guide stuff, you know, where you go to eat, where you get your baguette, where you get your, and more generally, you know, how you live around, you know, in, in the city you are in and the area you are in. And, but also community based stuff like uh, you know what's happening in the French community the businesses who, who is building a new business in this area who is very successful in that area I was doing um, but also bilingual education you know, helping people with uh, the education of their kids how they can keep, keep French which is something a French language something people are really involved in uh, a lot of our readers so uh, you know all that that's really their kind of daily life and again the, the only the, the main um, comparison and the best comparison is is local lo local paper local magazine or the local newspaper you have that's really talking about your daily life giving you tips giving you information you need and uh, even in the time i mean for those local newspaper uh, digital is tough uh, but for us actually digital was a plus because it would have made sense uh 20 years ago to do a paper for this it was impossible because that it's a niche and it's a community but it's spread over at least an entire country a <laughs> so huge one <laughs> yeah yeah so uh and now several countries in our case so so but um uh, but we still we still have this we're creating this community and 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 it would have would have haven't been possible without the the digital yeah. So in your case, it was a plus. I think there's two things here. The fact that you were ahead of your time by thinking about the digital medium, and that also helps you build your business in a portable way. I mean, tomorrow you need to move, you can still continue to work on this business. Um, but on top of it, you said community, and I think this is a huge component of your success. And I see it when I go to your events, when I talk to your readers. Um, there is a French morning community 
And let's not forget as well the team that you have that is so, I find like, they're just very good ambassadors of the brand as well mm -hmm. when they're mm -hmm. in contact with the community. Is there any tips you can share about how you manage to build that relationship and build that community? I don't know if it's, uh, if it's, you know, but the thing is that that community is our business. Mm -hmm. That it's not like we sell something to a community and it's just like building that community and, 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 and building that relation with that community is our business. That's what we sell to advertisers. Mm -hmm. We don't sell them, you know, thousands of views and stuff like that because it doesn't make sense if we do that i mean some now we are we're starting to be to get to a point where we can make a little bit of money from like youtube advertising we have a big following on youtube so we're now able to get you know a few thousand dollars a month but it's not financing the business so what's financing the business is really the relationship with we have and what they call you know in the lingo of the the, the industry that a share of voice that we sell to the advertisers they don't come to us because we're gonna of course they you know they buy thousands of views they buy uh, thousands of emails these kind of things but what they really buy is being part of the conversation in the community and 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 that means that that's the only reason why we we have some success is that we we are part of the conversation and people have the feeling that when they are a French person living in the U.S., uh, French morning in a way is just uh, uh, you know part of, the, of of their life in that in that way. I mean, it's a little bit uh, yeah. you know you can live without it, obviously, but uh, but but that's the way the people who like us and are really you know engaged followers and engaged readers. That's the way they see us. They, yeah. they see us part of you know some, some something that gives us uh, give them uh, useful tips or but also a sense of community where they can see stories and, and read stories about uh, other french people who do ama amazing things mm -hmm. in the in the us and uh, and also that's how we came also to add the event business that we have which is it's not an even we are not organizing events for anyone else we do french morning events and and uh, and the people like it because it's a way for them to uh of course uh, you know uh get into contact and, and get connected to other people from the community but also other people from outside that community interested in that community so because we have another brand that we created that's called frenchly.us which is for american people interested in france it's much more lifestyle and about you know things to do in france and uh and uh and and life again lifestyle etc and and uh, we the events we do usually really connect those two communities the french expats and the francophiles in a way so that's uh, um, and and the events now are like 25 percent of our business but it's a very very important part of uh, of connecting with the community and and even if, if people don't come to all of our events obviously but uh, but they know they're here and 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 it's also um, that's how we built it was a great part of building our identity yeah, it was huge. And I can say that as a consumer of French Morning myself, <laughs> on top of, I think one of the keys I would say for me to be interested in French Morning was the relevance of the content and the feeling that you knew exactly what are our needs. Like you, you listen to what the audience and the titles are always spot on, the topics are always spot on and accurate. And as you said, it's the quality of the content as well. 
as well as featuring people from the community, uh, creating that sense of community on top of it with the events, which led to, you were saying about the percentage 25% of your revenue comes from the events you organize. They're also a great way to bring the community together. Could you tell us the range, I know that the basic of your revenue stream is advertising, but can you break it down for us a little bit to have an idea of all the different revenue streams you have? Um, we actually have two. It's it's just it's uh, advertising seventy five percent and and uh, even twenty five. Those are numbers for the US, for Canada and the UK. It's different because we are we are new there, so we have less from events. Uh, but uh, but in in the US, it's around that. It fluctuates depending on the years and everything. But and, and but the events is. Um, uh, two thirds of the event uh, revenues are actually sponsor sponsorships, so mm -hmm. it's kind of advertising too. It's not direct revenue from the events uh, from the from the people who come and even we sell tickets for some of them. Some of them are, are free, but it's mainly advertising uh, or people who, for for when we have some events that are like fairs or you know exhibitions, uh, then it's selling you know, booth tables to those uh, businesses and vendors. Um, but so so it's mainly a B two B business in terms of the revenue stream. Okay, that's great. So in terms of the team now, how many people work with you? Um, we have uh, around twelve uh, full time, thirteen, and uh, we have fifteen, depending on the month, but around fifteen freelancers that are a mix of journalists and uh, and uh, salespeople for advertising and a bit of marketing. Wow. So you've been talking about the importance of the team that has allowed you to grow as well. So what are your secrets to be able to make the team on top of paying them well and paying them? What well, are I, I, I didn't say well. I didn't say well. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's journalism. That's true. So it's journalism. That's true. So, and so it gives even more reasons for me to be curious about how are you keeping your team so involved and so engaged? I've met some people of, of your team and I was amazed by how they were so passionate about what they were doing and, and representing French Morning. So what do you think is the secret sauce here? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I knew. Uh, no, uh, it's just mainly it's, it's uh, finding great people. Mm. Uh, so being lucky, I guess, uh, and, uh, and trying to make sure that the people you hire uh, believe in what you do in a way or another. We don't have to believe in the same things or the same way of doing things or all that stuff. But uh, that's the great advantage of, you know, doing being in the news area, even if it's but people can kind of easily take pride you know, get pride of what they do because, you know, they go to a dinner party where they don't know anyone and everybody knows French morning. Mm. And, you know, it's, it's, it, it feels, it makes feel, <laughs> you feel good in a way. So th that's, that's why this area and industry is so, it's, it's so interesting. Uh, you know, it's hard and tough to make money, obviously, but there is value, there is brand value that mm. don't, it's really, really hard to build in anything else. You know, if you sell, if you work, you know, selling any kind of products, uh, uh, yeah, it's it, yeah. it's it's hard to feel the same thing. So, um, but again, I, I'm speaking as a as a as a journalist. So, um, <laughs> yeah, but but I, I see that even from people who are not journalists from the team. So it's mainly because again, it's you know we 
we are a small company and we are in an industry where we, we cannot pay, you know, especially living in New York for, for the part of the team who is in New York, it's, it's tough because it's, uh, you know, we, 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 they don't get the same kind of money if they were working in, in uh, many other industries in, in finance or anything in, in New York. So they have to find other ways or other reasons to be there. And, um, and uh, I think we are lucky that uh, they are able to have this sense. And it's, and you know, over time it's not easy and I'm not sure we succeed all the time, succeed all the time doing that. Um, but trying to find ways to, uh, that people believe in the product and the goal in a way, mm-hmm. and, uh, and also, you know, have con- you know, faith in a way, uh, in, in, in the way you, you do things and believe in you. And when there are, you know, it's, it's not always easy again, you, you can have uh, disappointments and, and uh, setbacks, uh, like in any other business. Um, but, uh, but that's how when you see that you have a solid team, when they stay stick with you. I love how honest you are about all of this and, and how transparent you are, because I think that's the value as well of, 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 you know, your success and how you got to where you are today. So the final part for me of your expansion is that at some point you were like, okay, I need funding now to be able to, to grow and, and go beyond the United States. You're in London, you're in Canada, and you hope to go other places as well. So any, can you, what can you share with us about the round of funding you did and how did that idea came up and how did you manage to do that funding? I don't know if I did it the best way, but uh, um, uh, two things. First of all, we are a small company and uh, there is no, we, we are on a, such a small niche that it's really hard for us to get interest from VC and this kind of, you know, people who want like 10 hundred times uh, return on investment and these kind of things because you know I knew and I'm ambitious and everything but you know I know what the limits of the niche are and except if we transform everything from the business and do it something else uh, I know that there are limitations so I've, I've tried though and I've tried you know talking to people VC or even individual investors but who had the same philosophy and uh, I found a few, but it was uh, it, it was not the best way to do. So um, when I decided to uh, to go that to continue to grow, two years to more three years ago, continue to grow, we had to go internationally and try to become the French morning, not for only the the, the French people living in in the US, but all over the world. Um, we we did that by doing uh, equity crowdfunding. Uh, which is uh, specific to the U.S. in a way. It's I think it does exist in Europe too. But uh, you can uh, you it's like crowdfunding, but you give equity, uh, you give shares of the company to uh, to the people who invest. So we raised you know modest amount, three hundred thousand uh, dollars. But that was uh, that was great because it gives us allowed us to start um, uh, Montreal and London at the time, and also it showed that we had, again, a following and we had a community because obviously it's people from the community. Uh, and, uh, and, you know, from people invested from $100 to the biggest investment through that uh, avenue was um, $50,000. Okay, and someone who was just a reader, I didn't know him. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, obviously he had the means to do it. 
but one day this, you know, he took his credit card and he, he put 50k on the because he liked what we were doing. You know, someone who has been who had been in the country for a long time, and he told me, you know, you're kind of my only link to France now. I don't read the French papers. I don't. So uh, it was emotional rather than you know, and but but all these you know, you still want to do, they do, it's a business decision though for them, even if there are, you know, uh, emotional uh, reasons for them to do it. Uh, they still look at your numbers and they want they want returns at one point and um, it's not a regular investment for them, but it's still an investment. So, uh, but, but it's, for us, it was great. And also the great thing with crowdfunding, crowdfunding works if you have the community, if you have the audience, and that's what we have. So we really were able to uh, um, to to do to to use that to leverage that, you know there are platforms to do that to help you, and you have to go through those platforms. Which one did you use? Uh, Micro Ventures. Okay, Micro Ventures. We'll put that nomination yeah. in the show notes of yeah. this episode. Yeah, yeah. No, it's great. It's a uh, but uh, but again, it's I recommend it only if you have an audience or mm-hmm. are able to leverage an audience, because if you have, they are not going to do the work for you. Of course, you know you 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 have you have a few people who follow them and put like five hundred dollars in everything or, or everything they like on the platform as a you know strategy investment strategy very long term for them, uh, but it's going to give you like a tiny tiny portion of what you need. Uh, the rest is people from your community, like any crowdfunding. Yeah, you know. exactly, and it goes back again to the value of the relationship you've built with your audience and yeah. the community. That's so as much as humble you've been the whole way about how you've been successful at what you do, uh, <laughs> and we shared a lot of ways you've been, and I think the relationship part is the biggest part. And, um, but if you had to do something differently, what would it be? I'd be more ambitious mm. uh, from scratch, but that means it would be totally different <laughs> uh, because I think that would mean either raising money in a big way at the beginning. And uh, um, because I like, I like the niche and the niche idea and, uh, um, uh, and it was, you know, it was perfect for the way I was doing it and, uh, and, and the way I did it. And it was something I liked and everything. Uh, but being more ambitious would mean that you can go, you, you need to have your niche, but I think, you know, finding a bigger niche. And uh, uh, so, so I would say that maybe because, you know, I was very happy. I'm still very happy of the way we did it because it allowed me to do several things at the same time. And, but now I've seen the limitation of that in a way. Mm. So it's just like, you know, it's hard also when you've started something on the side, you take habits and mm. you don't necessarily design processes the way you should design processes and the way. So it took me a long time after to uh and i'm still kind of in the process of doing that or you know uh finding process uh and uh and ways of doing business uh, that are more uh relevant for for a growing company than for just a side side thing side business so um so yeah maybe you know thinking bigger but i don't know if it's me anyway but but so i yeah, you, you ask me what I would do differently. So it's, <laughs> it's easy and, hindsight, and, you know, once it's done to know. <laughs> and there are many other things, you know, smaller things, obviously, but uh, but the biggest, yeah, the biggest thing would be that. Yeah, thanks for sharing that so honestly. And I think um, it comes also with 
with the vision, you know, when we're testing and doing a side gig, uh, we don't necessarily have the vision, but I think at this point you're starting to do, you already have a vision now. And I think that's why you have that visibility now that you didn't have before. Yeah. Um, so you've developed your vision um, and now you're working towards it. Speaking of which, we are now in a big transition in our world, not only because of the pandemic, but also in general, the digital media and everything. I'm curious to know, to end and close this episode, um, what is the future for you like? What are the things you're thinking about to either expand your revenue streams or to what are the avenues you're exploring right now for you to take this to the next level? Oh, we, there's so many things. Uh, yeah, no, I really want to keep doing what I do, and and because uh, I'm kind of in the middle, you know, of, of things here with uh, especially with the new uh, countries we launched, um, Canada, Montreal specifically, and London, which are doing great in terms of uh, audience, and uh, uh, and London is starting to do uh, good in terms of business, but there's still a lot to do. Um, so I really want to, you know, uh, consolidate that, that and make sure that we can grow, keep growing. And uh, at one point, um, we have many projects. It's just like I think we need to grow either by, you know, uh, external growth, uh, finding partners or, or, or acquisition or something. Um, but also, I'd like to explore ways to get revenues from the readers. Uh, meaning selling selling uh, not only advertising but selling subscriptions or uh, you know memberships and stuff like that which is not something we can do with the type of content and the type of audience we target right now because it doesn't really make sense um but uh but we have ideas of more b2b stuff that we could do help businesses and uh we uh, still with news and content at least uh but uh, uh that's one of the avenues we'd like to explore in the future and uh because it's not only you know it makes sense in terms of business to try to generate revenue for you directly from your audience make people pay but also as a journalist and as a content producer i think it's much more rewarding that you find people who are ready to pay for what you produce mm. rather than going around and finding a, a third, third party, which is the advertiser, paying for something that's actually read by the, you know, by the reader. So uh, there is also, you know, maybe philosophically or, or conceptually, uh, I find it interesting to, um, uh, and also in terms of uh, the way the, content business is going in the news business i i really believe and you're starting to see that in millennials millennials are actually buying much more are ready to buy and to pay for news much more than the generation of 50 and 50 and plus are because mm. they you know people my age we we discovered we we grew up with the we became adults with the idea of of uh, news for free you know, mm -hmm. it was the beginning of the internet and everything. Those uh, younger, this younger generation, it's it's different. They are much more uh, circumspect about uh, about this free stuff, and they know a lot about fake news, all of that stuff, and they see the value of paying for something because you believe it's going to be, you know, 
good quality and that and then you see numbers from people who sell news like uh, uh, you know sell advertising are very uh, not advertising subscriptions are very successful like new york times and others uh, actually they have amazing numbers with young generations now this last one two years uh, so that's something that's very interesting for me as uh, some as both a journalist and someone who is interested in the in the news business this is fascinating <laughs> we could talk about this for hours but i'm so grateful that you took the time to share with us your amazing and very inspiring journey manuel thank you so much for that thank you so much i really enjoyed it oh, this Great is amazing. and um oh actually i realized i should have been be careful i have in front of me a journalist you could have scammed me right now <laughs> so out of 10 how did i do you did great no okay, amazing okay. it's amazing amazing uh, i love your work as you know you're amazing emmanuel it's such a pleasure to be able to to follow your journey so tell us where can we find you we have i'm sure i have a lot of french listeners here and and people who are interested as well in in, in living in france so uh could you tell us where are the places where we can find you you can find us everywhere you can good stuff uh no frenchmorning.com frenchly.us is or for american uh, and english speakers targeting mainly americans who are interested in france uh modi francais for people who are in canada in montreal it's the name of our uh, of our website there french morning in london uh, we are very active on facebook uh, we are less active on instagram but starting to get there we are very good on youtube we have a youtube channel that has 140,000 subscribers mm. and uh it grows uh, on youtube you'll find mainly light and fun stuff about you know french people speaking english and trying to speak english and american people giving their uh, what they know telling what they know about france all of that stuff so youtube is also a great way to uh, uh, get acquainted with us especially if you don't speak french um because it's usually bilingual okay um, but the main platform is frenchmorning.com obviously excellent wow so nomad nation you'll find all this information in the show notes of this episode on tandemnomads.com slash 170 thank you so much emmanuel it's been such a joy thank you very much Amel. nomad nation i look forward to seeing you inside of the show notes of this episode and in the next episode of course Stay tuned to turn your challenges into great opportunities.